Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Chasing Justice. I'm your host, Lieutenant Joe Pangaro, and as always, I am thrilled to be here with you. So, what is that? What is that up in the sky? It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's a unidentified flying object, something of unknown uh, origin, or it's a Chinese spy balloon, or it's something else. So uh, I was out in California recently. I keep mentioning that because it was an interesting trip. I was out there a long time, too. One of the things they offer are balloon rides. Um, I would suggest we hold off on balloon rides for a little while. Uh, it looked really nice, but I don't know if I want to be up in a balloon right now because there's a lot of uh, aircraft flying around. Uh, shooting down balloons and, and since we don't know what they are or where they came from if you're up there in that balloon you could become a target uh, not because our military don't know what they're doing but because the leadership don't know what they're doing um, so there's been a lot going on there's a uh, there's a media update now you know if you listen and you listen to the boys in the neighborhood you know uh, Jim uh, Giordano always talks about the media he's concerned is the big media and what big media does and what they don't do and how they hold back and, and lie and do all kinds of things. And they do. Uh, there was recently a, a reporter down in Florida covering Governor DeSantis, who is, you know, obviously at some point going to be a presidential candidate, whether it's this time around or next time. He's a solid individual. He's got a great background. He's a fighter. He doesn't mind fighting back. I personally like him a lot. Well, there's this reporter and she's heard on a hot mic. A hot mic is when you expect your mic to be off and it's on and it records you or uh, people can hear you talking on the mic and it's in the room still and you think you're up there by yourself or you're talking to somebody privately and it gets out. Well, she was talking to colleagues and she made a comment that she said, uh, I guess my job really is to ask him tough questions and make him uncomfortable. Now, is that what she's supposed to do? Are you supposed to ask questions and make someone uncomfortable? Because the rest of the media only do that to, to Republicans and conservatives. I don't see them making Democrats uncomfortable. Do you? I'm just asking a question. I'm not taking a point of view here. I'm making an observation. When do you see them ask President Biden tough questions? Now, recently, a lot of them have been screaming questions at him. Um, you know, hey, uh, Mr. President, uh, is it a balloon? What is it up there? Right? But you don't see them really asking tough follow-up questions or even tough questions to begin, except for um, Peter Ducey. He seems to ask the only only relevant, real questions that the guy ever gets, uh, and they, they never actually answer them anyway. So I found that interesting. Is that the job of the media to make the person that they're interviewing uncomfortable? I don't think it is. I think the job of the media, of a journalist, I think would be to ask questions to understand either a person's point of view, a policy that they're working on, or the facts of an incident, and then report them back to people. If you're going to do an editorial where you, you give your opinion about all those things, that's different. But as a journalist, shouldn't you just be reporting the facts? Here's what happened today. A car went down the road and went off the uh, went off the road and onto the curb at Johnson and uh, Miller Street, striking a telephone pole. Two people were injured and taken to the hospital. Right? Not an SUV lost control, 
climbed the sidewalk and it's it chased people down because it's an evil SUV and you know that we shouldn't have those right that's that's two different ways to report an incident and I found that interesting another thing in the media that I, I had I actually found this uh, not just interesting I find it funny um, Corinne Jean Pierre the presidential spokesperson now there was a poll recently and I, I think it was Fox News took a poll I'm not positive, but I think it was Fox News. Uh, and they said, you know, who are, the, who are the three people, out of these three people, who is doing their job the worst? Would it be Vice President Kamala Harris? Would it be Karine Jean-Pierre, uh, spokesman? Or would it be uh, Secretary of Transportation, uh, Pothole Pete Buttigieg? Which one is doing their job the worst? And it was a pretty much even split. Uh, there was like 29% for each person. I got to say, I, I started thinking about that and I'm going to jump into that poll and I'm going to give you my opinion. Well, first of all, we have to quantify who's doing worst at their job. We have to say, what is their job? So Vice President Kamala Harris, what is her job? As Vice President, her job is to really, the, the overall position of Vice President is to sit around and wait to see if something ever happens to the president and the president becomes incapacitated and then jump into the position of being president or acting president or whatever, of, of being the head of government. That's basically her job. Now, she gets other assignments like the border. Okay, so she didn't do very good at the border. She, she's never been down to the border. The border is a complete train wreck. Um, but, uh, well, let's go back to our first group. Did the media ever ask her questions? Hey, how come you're in charge of the border? You don't go down there and take a look. How come you're not down there crying in front of the, the uh, human tragedy that you're creating? Okay, we'll, we'll go past that. So Kamala Harris, is she worse at her job compared to the other two? Uh, Pete Buttigieg and um, Corinne Jean-Pierre. Well, I, I got to say her job is, to, like I said, Kamala's job is to stand around and wait to be president. So I don't think she's doing a horrible job standing around waiting to be president. Is she effective in anything else? She's really not. She can't give she can't give a talk. She she doesn't come across as genuine. Uh, but she's pretty much doing her job. I think uh, she's waiting around for something to happen, and then she would uh, then be a train wreck as a president. But that's her job is to wait around. So I don't think she's doing horrible at her job. She's doing her job. Next, we look at Corinne Jean Pierre. Now we see her in these press conferences, and she never gives a straight answer. She doesn't give honest answers. She obfuscates. She dances around. Uh, she picks and chooses between what's real and what's not. She doesn't answer a, a question directly. She goes in circles. What is her job? Her job is to be the voice of the president to the media. So first of all, uh, you can imagine what President Biden would sound like in private. Uh, you know, I want ice cream. Is it Thursday? The wheels fell off my canoe. Who am I? All right. So I, I'm joking about that. But the reality is, is she doing her job horribly? Well, her job is not to go out there and give accurate, honest information. That's what we all think her job is. But her job is not. Her job has become uh, a spin doctor to, um, to, to deflect anyone's questions that bring on any type of criticism of the president or a policy or someone in his administration or government. 
uh, or, or to anybody in the Democratic Party. She's not supposed to directly answer the question. Does the president have a problem cognitively? Well, I have to tell you that uh, the president's uh, one of the smartest men in America. And isn't that That's not answering the question about whether he has a cognitive problem. What are his medical records? Can we see them? Well, the president doesn't want to show you his medical records because he's afraid uh, people will, will take it badly to find out what's, what problems he's suffering from, etc. That would be an honest answer. But that, she's not supposed to give an honest answer. We all think she's supposed to give an honest answer. But in real life, they don't. Well, at least this particular um, press secretary does not ever, because what is she supposed to say when they ask uh, the economy? Uh, recently, the president came out and said, this is, the economy is doing great. Is it doing great? Well, you know, 7% unemployment, 6% unemployment, uh, 3%, whatever the unemployment rate is, that's great. That shows that's really great. That's the best in, in, in 40 years, as opposed to the truth being, well, there's about 50 million people who are not participating. And if they jumped in, the, the unemployment rate would be, you know, 27%. So we're just happy that the people who are participating have kept that number low, right? So that would be the true answer. So is she doing poorly at her job? Well, none of us are satisfied really with her answers uh, unless we're looking for her to, uh, you know, deflect and not answer truthfully. If you're on that side of the aisle, then you probably think she's doing great. I would say uh, she's doing what she's been tasked to do. Uh, she's obviously been told that you can't go out there and tell the truth. You can't go out there and speak the truth. You can't recognize the truth. You have to ignore the truth. Uh, you have to say anything so that it stays uh, positive, right? You can't say anything negative. You can't recognize anything negative about the administration or the president. So is she really doing a poor job? I'd say no. I say she's doing exactly the job they want her to do. Now, for her, I can imagine it's really uncomfortable because she's, she appears to be an intelligent woman. And she knows when she's up there deflecting, lying, twisting, turning, not answering things around, ignoring all kinds of things. She has to know personally that this is all a bunch of nonsense and this is what she has to do. So in that way, I would say she is doing her job. That's the assignment she's been given. A lot of people look at her and say, gee, she must be stupid. Why don't she understand? Why don't she? Her job is not to tell you the truth. Her job is to twist the truth, to give a message, right? So I'd say she's doing her job. So Kamala Harris is doing her job. And I think Jean, uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre is doing her job, as they're supposed to do. That leaves us with uh, Transportation Secretary uh, Pete Buttigieg. Now, his job, I think, is a little different because there are expectations of his job. As the Secretary of Transportation, you're supposed to worry about the transportation, the roadways, the infrastructure, uh, the supply chain, all of the airplanes flying around, all of that is really part of your job, to be concerned about it, to be hands-on. You know, when say, say there's a big giant train wreck somewhere where there's, there's thousands of gallons of deadly poisons pouring into the environment. That's part of what you're supposed to do. So let's ask that question. Is uh, Secretary Buttigieg, is he, um, is he doing his job very well? Well, he doesn't really show. He doesn't show up to things. He, does, he didn't fix the airline problem at all. He made a couple of speeches about uh, being green. We should be green. What that got to do with transportation? He made a, a speech recently about 
uh, the fact that uh, minorities are not well re represented in construction jobs. I don't know what that has to do with transportation. The supply chain is still a train wreck. Uh, the boats that were lining up in California that couldn't get into port, he didn't handle that very well. Uh, the, the major train wreck that we all know about in Ohio, he's, he's really done nothing for that. Um, the roads and bridges, I don't know. Uh, they call him Pothole Pete when he was in Indiana because he couldn't even fix potholes. So while he may be a very nice man, um, the reality is, is he doing his job? Is he handling these problems? I don't see him handling the problems. So for, between these three people uh, of who's actually doing their job, he is the one person who's not doing his job. He's not handling uh, transportation, infrastructure, uh, uh, supply chain, train wrecks, airplanes flying. He's really not handling it at all. I don't think he's doing a very good job. Um, so out of the three, I would have to say that he's not doing his job. He's the guy. He's the one who's doing worst at his job. Now, they didn't include President Biden, because if he was included, you know, out of the four, that would be a close runner-up uh, of who's doing the worst job. Because as a president, they, they, they say he has all these great accomplishments. He's done all these wonderful things. But what has he done? Uh, well, he created 12 million jobs. Well, actually, you can't create 12 million jobs when during the pandemic, uh, 20 million people stopped working. Actually, most of us stopped working, right? Unless you worked from home, our jobs were shut down. Industries were shut down. Everything was shut down. Well, as we come out of that pandemic and people now go back to work, you're not creating jobs. You're not creating new jobs, uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, just so you know. And she knows that. And so does the president. And so does everyone else in the media. They know that when people are called back to their jobs that they had before the pandemic, you didn't actually create a job. What you did is you let people go back to work. Uh, so that's a, that's a false statement. Now, if we saw, um, say there was 100 million people working uh, during the end of the, uh, the Trump administration, 100 million people had jobs. And at the end of two years, Joe Biden could say, hey, 140 million people now have jobs because of my policies created these jobs. I'd say, yes. He created 40 million jobs or whatever number he want, would ever come up with. But the reality is people just going back to work is not creating a new job. The fact that there are 50 million people who are not participating, who had previously participated in the job market, and that number could, could go back and forth. I'm using it as a uh, conversational tool. A huge number of people are not participating. They're getting checks. They're getting free money. They're not coming to work. Uh, you know, you see people, they don't want to go back to their offices. Everybody wants to work from home. Uh, so th that's why the unemployment number is low, right? Because you only, they only judge the unemployment number by the number of people who are actively seeking work. See, nobody ever explains that to anybody. We just look at that and go, the unemployment number, all oh, the whole country, there's only 3% of people out of work. That's not true. Uh, the way they look at it is how many people are actively seeking a job and can't find one. So if you have, we have 330 million people in this country. Of that, say, 100 million are elderly and young and they don't work anymore. They're retired or they're too little to work. So you got 200 million people in the middle. How many people are, are participating? Well, we could have 200 million people participating, but only 100 million are. Therefore, the numbers are skewed. Why aren't there other 100 million who could be working? Why aren't they? 
Well, they decide not to look for a job. They don't want a job. They're getting a check, all kinds of other things. So we look at these kind of things. This is where numbers are skewed and we're not getting the truth. And that's part of, uh, of the media problem. You know, there was a time when the media would report things, would report the truth. But unfortunately, it doesn't seem that they do much anymore. And that's why people have lost trust in the media. You know, you, you turned on the news back in the day because you wanted to find out what happened today. What's going on? What happened last night that's important to me, uh, to our country, to my family, whatever? And they would tell you what was going on. Now, they tell you what they want you to think. Uh, and they pick sides. And, and that's not getting news. That's not getting news. That's getting transcription. And that's unfortunate. So that's our, that's our, our media, um, our media uh, discussion for today. Now, there's one more thing to, to tuck in there. Uh, again, Corinne Jean-Pierre, who speaks for the president, comes out and makes a statement that if you're a Twitter follower, if, you, if you're on Twitter or whatever, kind of, you know, what they say, it lit up Twitter. Uh, she came out and said that President Biden, now get this, get ready for this. President Biden is the best communicator in the White House. He is the best communicator. And that lit up a, a bunch of people on Twitter and, and other social media sites to go, are you kidding? The president is the best communicator in the White House? So let's ask that question. Do you think Joe Biden is a great communicator? Well, let's see. He bumbles and he stumbles. He, he, he goes off the rails when he's given a speech. If he looks off the teleprompter, he totally gets lost. When people ask legitimate questions, he walks away. He's the only president I think I've ever seen that says, well, they told me I can't talk about that. And what, well, who was, who was they? Who are these people telling the president of the United States, you can't talk about that, right? So I, I think that's problematic, uh, very easily put. That's problematic. Uh, is he the best communicator in the White House? Uh, I would say no, but that's her job. Uh, just like he, when President Biden said, the economy is strong and the nation is strong. Do you feel your nation is strong? Do you feel your economy is strong? Well, let's look around the rest of the world. What's happening in the rest of the world? That's our next area that we're going we're gonna to look at here. Is our nation strong? Now, a lot, a lot of people, a lot of pundits are, are making a big deal out of the fact that uh, one of the objects, you know, whatever it is, some kind of a balloon or an aircraft or whatever, not the big one, not the big spy one that we shot down, uh, that was uh, that was pretty intense, you know. The F uh, F-22 Raptor, the, the most advanced fighter jet on the planet, goes up there and uh, shoots a missile at a balloon, and it hits the balloon, and the, and the stuff falls down. You would expect that, right? Uh, we all watched Top Gun. We know that they have radar lock on things, and that's how that technology works. And that was wonderful. But recently, one of these F-16s had a problem in. Um, uh, in, in, in taking down one of these uh, car size, whatever it was, uh, a, 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 an airplane, a, boom, a balloon, uh, a drone, we don't know because we're not getting any information. Uh, we're not being told anything about these things invading our national airspace. Now think about that. These are things that are flying over America uh, and, and we're not getting it, we're not being told anything. They don't know. They haven't recovered them. They haven't gotten them. They can't get to them. They don't know what they are. This is amazing. But people are making a big deal that a, a, an American jet went up and shot at one of them and missed. Now, 
I'm not a jet pilot, okay? I don't fly jets. I would love to. That's one of my, my greatest dreams is to fly jets, especially those uh, like a Raptor or something. But the reality is, um, what, what, what was the technology that caused this jet probably going, I don't know, I'd say between 800 and 1,500 miles an hour flying through the sky, trying to lock onto something that they said was about the size of a car uh, with the radar. Was it a radar failure? Uh, did it not have the right signature for the radar to pick it up? I don't know. It would be nice if somebody would tell us, but at the same time, I wouldn't want them to reveal what the problem was. Maybe it was pilot error. Maybe the pilot did the wrong thing. That happens. You ever drive your car, make a mistake, right? Well, then they're flying a vehicle at very high speed, very technical vehicle. They're shooting weapons at things. Maybe the pilot made a mistake, didn't lock on properly, didn't uh, do whatever, didn't get a reading off the, off the vehicle uh, that it's supposed to shoot at. And that's why the missile failed. Maybe the missile failed. And see, and these are the things I don't want to hear the specifics of that because I don't want our enemies to know that our missiles can fail. You know, maybe then they do, they, they'll attack us with a million balloons, and then what do we do? So I, people making a big deal out of that, I say, okay, I get it. You know, it is a big deal that we missed on the first shot, but the second shot got it, and it went down. The problem we have is that it's been several weeks, and we know one was a spy balloon, and that's uh, parts of it are in the water off the Carolinas. But these other ones that they shot down, one's in Lake Huron, okay, so they shot it down over Lake Huron, and even if that's a couple hundred feet deep, uh, I get it. That would be daunting. You know, again, I'm not an undersea scuba diver, but I know that once you go down past like 40, 50 feet, it's, it's very difficult, very dangerous to go down that deep. But at the same time, let's remember this. This is a national security issue, a national security issue. What these things are, they won't tell us what they are. Are they aliens from another planet, as Jim Giordano might think they are? Or are they uh, spy craft from, from Russia, from Iran, from North Korea, from China, from all these other places that are, are, are itching to come at us? Is it one of those? Okay, so it's down 200, 300 feet underwater in Lake Huron. Didn't, didn't we have a private company go down two miles and examine the Titanic? Two miles under the ocean in icy cold water. People went right down there and, and looked right at it uh, in, a, in a diving bubble. Well, I say, why don't we uh, go, to the, go to those people and say, hey, could you, could you go down there with your diving bubble? It's only 200 feet and uh, pick up some stuff, take a look, let's examine it. What do you think? How come, how come that hasn't been done? Now, maybe it is being done and we're not being told. I don't know. But why is it we don't know exactly what those things are and who sent them? Now, the, the, uh, the White House is saying that uh, they're, they're the newest ones, the ones over uh, Canada and the one over Lake Huron, those were not Chinese. Well, how do they know that? How do they know they're not Chinese if they don't go and get them? How do we know the Communist Party didn't send those too? Are there multiple people invading our airspace? Can you ever remember a time that uh, somebody would invade the American airspace? Uh, I don't remember that. Now, why would that happen? Why would countries feel that they could invade American airspace without any retribution? Now, you have to break that down and look at it. Um, if it honestly was a weather balloon, because we use them. People do use weather balloons, right? We send up these balloons to take weather readings so we can understand the temperature and what's coming and, and all that kind of thing. And it went off course. 
you would immediately notify the country that it's about to fly over. Hey, just so you know, this is a weather balloon. Um, here's where it's located. Here's where we expected it to go. And it got caught in the, in the jet stream. And now it's going to come over your country. You Wouldn't you notify them? Of course you would, because it would be an innocent thing that happened. The fact that nobody told us makes it clear that that's probably not true. It's probably something else. It's a spy. It's a spy piece of equipment. Now we understand that with the Chinese balloon. But why are these countries or whoever it is doing this, why are they doing this now? Is it because they feel America will not respond with the current administration the way America might respond if another uh, individual was at the helm? And that could be another Democrat or another Republican. The, the current person in the White House doesn't seem to have a grasp on what's going on here, nor have we heard from the president. I mean, how many days do we have to wait to find out what these things are, right? And why didn't we know where it was coming from? So this is all disturbing, and I think it's because of weakness. When, when, when bad people see weakness, they, they get more aggressive. It's kind of like, think about a bully. A bully comes around and wants to take your lunch money. And the bully might be bigger than you, and then therefore, therefore they're intimidating, and they're scary, and you're afraid you don't want to get punched, you don't want to get hurt, and the bully says, hey, give me your lunch money. So to avoid that conflict, to avoid that punch in the nose, uh, or maybe what you imagine would be worse, you give up your lunch money. And the bully doesn't say, hey, thanks a lot, I appreciate it, and leave you alone. bully comes back the next day and wants more lunch money and tells you, you better give him your watch, too. And then you keep turning, because it's weakness. See, so, so bad people, evil people, uh, tyrannical people, they view weakness as an opportunity, just like criminals. So recently I was on uh, Malcolm Out, a great Malcolm Out Loud's program, and we talked about, you know, the mindset of, of crime. So you should go listen to that podcast. It was actually pretty good. Uh, the mindset of a crime. Well, the mindset of a crime is if people can get away with it and they're emboldened and they, they have no consequences then they're going to they're gonna do bad things. Well, these countries around the world are seeing this weakness that is, it's pronounced, this weakness. The, I mean, physical weakness of the president, the, the, the I, I guess, lack of comportment of the vice president. And it doesn't, she might be a very nice woman, but does not strike me as a strong person um, who would uh, be powerful. And, you know, she seems silly. And, you know, so the rest of the world sees that. That's what's in charge of America right now. Uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And we see the generals, right? We got these generals and they're all woke. They're all about being woke instead of being about a strong military. So I posit that people see weakness and they take advantage. And that's why we're seeing these things. All right. So I want to get that out. When we come back, we're going to talk about whether decency is still part of our lives. Is de does decency matter? Does it exist? Is it important to be decent or to have a decent life or to teach decent things? I don't know. We'll talk about that when we come back. But I want to tell you, hey, if you like the show, go find the podcasts. Listen to the podcast. That's great. And remember, if you're looking for something to help your health, Healthy Cell, Immune Boost, awesome. Uh, I put the boys on the uh, boys in the neighborhood. I put them on um, the mental faculty uh, Healthy Cell product to see if it can help their mental faculties. And I was talking to Bill, and we teased Bill about being the oldest member of our, of our group of fellas. And he says, actually, in a week, he does feel he can remember better. So we'll have him back on, and he'll give us an update. 
on how he's doing it. But the Healthy Cell products are really, really good. You know that I like the uh, Immune Boost. It has really helped me, kept me healthy. So they're on the network here. If you're looking for something, give it a try. It's, uh, it seems to be an excellent product. I really like it. So this is Lieutenant Joe. We'll be back in a minute with more Chasing Justice. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense, an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day, yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. America Out Loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. Well, we know you because we are you. AmericaOutloud.com. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. All right, everybody, and welcome back to segment two of this episode. Um, well, what, what I told you, we're going to talk about decency and, and is de- does decency have a place in our society anymore? It's, it sounds like a ridiculous question, doesn't it? Does decency have a place in our society? I think decent people will say, of course it does. It's one of the main things, you know, be kind, be a good person, do the right thing. Don't take advantage. Don't hurt people. But do we see that in our society now as an overriding valued quality of people. Just like the idea of hypocrisy. Now, we've talked about that how many times here? Um, hypocrisy is, is something that used to be seen as a terrible thing. It could ruin someone's career if you were shown to be a hypocrite. 
especially in, in the world of, of politics or anything anything in government, if you were a uh, any kind of a government agent, a police officer, if you were shown to be a hypocrite, uh, if you if you're a mayor, you're a hypocrite. If you're a doctor, you're a hypocrite. It could ruin your career because hypocrisy uh, it, is not a good value. It's not a good thing to be hypocritical. But that's no longer seen poorly, right? How about being a liar? Is being a liar uh, a bad thing anymore? All right, we, we see if somebody lies. If that used to be you caught them in a lie. You could never trust them again. But now we see people lie all the time. They lie right to your face. Now, we can use the political examples constantly because we see them. They're on the news. But we, we, see, we see it in our media. We see it in, in our experts. We see people who lie all the time. And it doesn't destroy their career. In some cases, it's an enhancement. You know, one of the things I found is that back in the day, if you were hypocritical and you lied and you got caught, it could ruin your career because people couldn't trust you anymore. And anything you said was then suspect. And you, you didn't have value to the conversation anymore. So therefore, you would be excluded. Nobody want to hear from you. But we see today, when somebody lies... Uh, to move an agenda or to move something uh, forward, uh, a group's position or whatever, or to create a narrative that makes things easier for them, we see people jump on board and go, ah, you got caught, but you know, hey, at least you, you, at least you moved the needle. You know, you did this and that and the other thing. It's become not a negative anymore. Let's, let's look at Adam Schiff, all right? Now, I don't know this man personally, I only know him from what I've seen on the news. Now, you know, people go back to the Trump thing all the time, and, and I'm ta not talking about the election. I'm talking about the things that were done in the name of getting rid of Trump. And this was on both sides of the aisle. We have rhinos that are just as happy to attack Donald Trump and get him off the stage as our friends on the left are. But Adam Schiff was individual. He came out and he told, he was in charge of, of a committee that was investigating Donald Trump for colluding with a foreign government. Now, there was all kinds of uh, information, a lot of smoke, and we had to see if where to smoke this fire. Is there really truth to this? And he was in charge of the committee that was investigating this. And he came out and told all of us directly and multiple times that he had direct, clear evidence that would prove Donald Trump colluded with the Russian government to, to win the election, to take over the American government. He had absolute proof. Well, over the course of time, he never produced that proof. He simply talked about having the proof. The press never called him out and demanded, well, what is your proof? Let's see the proof. You're in charge of this committee. Let's demonstrate, bring in your proof. If you have proof that he did that, he should have brought it forward and Trump should have been removed if there was proof that Trump did that. But he never came forward with proof. When it came out that this didn't happen and Trump did not collude with anybody, uh, then, then that wouldn't that be the moment if you had proof? You said, no, wait a minute, I know everything else shows he didn't do it, but look at the proof I have. Wouldn't you do that? No, he didn't do that, and nobody demanded that of him. Uh, Speaker Pelosi did not demand, hey, come forward right now on the, on the floor of the House and tell everybody what you got. It is that important. Okay, we tried to impeach him once and we couldn't. We tried to impeach him a second time and we couldn't. But you have this awesome, amazing proof. Come right to the floor. Come to the well of the house right now and lay out your proof. We'll get the news cameras in here. We'll show the whole country that our president was treasonous. 
But he didn't do that, did he? To this day, has he shown his proof? To this day, has anyone asked him to show that proof? It's demanded that they show that proof. No, because he was lying. He was making it up to forward his program that he, they wanted to go after Trump. And therefore, the media, majority of the media, uh, applauded him, thought it was great, uh, pushed the story, pushed the narrative based on his lies. Uh, and even when it was proved he was lying, that there was nothing. To this day, the man is still in office. He was reelected to go back to Congress. Now, who, who would you, how would you reelect someone who you just know lied to you openly for years and basically damaged your country? So I, I, have, two, I have two ideas here. The first one is the people that vote for him obviously uh, don't like Trump, don't like Republicans, don't like conservatism. They're much more liberal. They're progressive. And that they have every right to be that way. That's how they see the world. That's, that's their political uh, point of view. And that's fine. Everyone in this country can have their point of view. And they want to vote for someone who's liberal, progressive, uh, even if they're radical liberals, even if they're socialists. They want to vote for him. They can. That's the beauty of America. You vote for who you, who you believe in and what you want to do. But when you find out that somebody lied about something and those lies gave President Trump a very difficult time, took him away from his job of doing work for everyone in the country. See, he wasn't, he doesn't do, he, oh, he's Republican. He's only doing things for Republicans. He was the president of the United States trying to build our economy, make our, our military stronger, make our allies around the world uh, do the right thing to be respectful to America. He was trying to make America the, the number one place for Americans, right? That's something that everyone benefits from. But this guy, it doesn't matter that his politics is, is, is liberal or, or radical or whatever. The fact that he lied to his constituents. So those constituents obviously know he lied and they don't care. They applauded him for the attacks he made on Trump because they didn't like Trump. Now, that's something that if you were one of those people, you have to ask yourself, uh, what, what is my purpose here to, to, to be, be in favor of lying if it moves my point forward? If, if it gets me what I want, I'll lie and that's okay. Is that what you're going to teach your children? Because the new generation of kids is learning this very, very quickly. They're learning these, they're getting these messages uh, of, of there, there is no right and wrong. There is only what you want it to be or what you believe it to be. And, and you can go into all kinds of arguments over that, but the reality is truth is no longer the number one thing to worry about. It's getting what you want, and you do that by however you can get what you want. If you have to be hypocritical, that's okay. If you have to lie, that's okay. And that's my question here. Is, is, that, is that part of being a decent society, to lie, be hypocritical, to cheat, to hurt people? You know, last week I was in church and uh, the, the pastor gave a very, very nice uh, homily. And what he talked about was um, gossiping and anger at people. People do things all the time that make us angry. And we all react differently. Some people, you know, they get violently angry when they're upset, when they're offended, right? Other people, they take it and they take it as a pain, as a hurt. They, they internalize their anger. But the, the pastor's point was that it's okay to be angry with someone if they've done something 
real or perceived to you to hurt you or do something negative or to hurt someone you love, whatever. But if you were to take that anger and go after that person to the point of destroying them, uh, gossiping about them, damaging their reputation, uh, then you're going beyond just being angry. Now, as I sat there in the pew listening to this, you have to take uh, any kind of advice from anybody uh, in a certain way. You have to filter it through your own belief system and, and how you see the world and, and, and what you want to do. So I look at this and I say, okay, well, what if somebody um, did something really negative and it cost me thousands of dollars? Um, would I would I be able to you know be angry, but then not talk about it, not not say, hey, this person did this bad thing to me, uh, so that it doesn't do it to other people, and would that ruin potentially ruin their reputation? Say a contractor came to my house, and I paid the contractor ten thousand dollars to put in some doors and windows, and the contractor came uh, three days late, put in two windows. Uh, and didn't come back and put in the other three windows and the two doors I paid him for. And then I chased him around for the next bunch of weeks. And I find out that uh, he spent the money. He doesn't have the money. He's not coming back. He's complaining. He didn't like the, that the windows were not exactly uh, the ones he thought he was going to have to put in. They were too excited. He, whatever. He gives me all these excuses. But he doesn't come back and do the work. And I'm out $10,000. Now, I'm very angry uh, that this person took advantage of me, that that robbed me, stole from me didn't finish the job. So I'm very angry. Now, what do I do? Do I go on social media? Do I complain? Do I pick it in front of his house? Do I tell everyone I know, hey, don't use John Jones window company. Uh, he's a ripoff. He's terrible. Would that damage his um, reputation? It probably would. Um, but is that what the is that what the pastor meant? So I'm trying to filter this through, through my thought, because if somebody did that to you, it'd be natural to say, I don't want to do it to anybody else. Uh, what if somebody is a molester and they molested your child? Wouldn't you want people to know, hey, don't have this person as your babysitter. Don't have this person around your children, this coach, molested uh, children, right? Wouldn't you want to tell people that? And would that ruin their reputation? Would they get fired from their job for people knowing they molest children? They probably would. But would that be just punishment for doing those bad things? So I'm, as I'm trying to figure this out, I'm saying... What exactly is the pastor trying to say? What's he What's he want me to think about? And, and you know, if not everyone in our audience here is religious, uh, but we know that some of the teachings as a Christian that you come up with is, you know, turn the other cheek, which is hard to do, very hard to do. Um, and again, this is not a religious discussion. This is, this is where we learn. This is where we learn things from, right? From our religious upbringing, our families, uh, our communities. So that's a hard thing to do, turn the other cheek, Um one of the most difficult things to do. Uh, the other thing is um, forgive those who have trespassed upon you. Isn't that, uh, that's, that's like right from the words of Jesus Christ himself uh, in the Our Father prayer. You know, uh, it tells us to, to forgive those who trespassed upon us, you know, and you say to yourself, can I do that? I think after I thought about it um, through the lens of decency, I don't think he's talking about letting other people know when there's danger, uh, when someone is a danger to you, to your family. Uh, someone molests children and you tell people, that's, that's, not, that's not gossiping about someone. That's telling somebody that there's danger in, with this person. That's not telling other people who might use this contractor, hey, he could, he could take your money and not do the work. That's giving people a warning about something that's absolutely true. 
gossiping would be uh, to say, and this is my interpretation, you might see it differently, to say that this contractor finished the job, say he finished the job, put in the windows, I didn't like it uh, because I didn't like the exact way he put the siding back on or something. And now, you know, and he says, listen, too bad. That's, this is how I did the work and that's what you paid for and I'm done, I'm out of here. Now I'm angry with him because he's not doing what I want. Now I tell people he's a child molester. Hey, you know, I caught him in my daughter's room, uh, you know, staring at her when he was doing these windows or whatever, whatever it would be, to make up something to hurt him, right? So that that would damage him. I think that's what he's talking about. And this is what I bring this back to lies, because if I did that about this man, wouldn't that serve my purpose? Wouldn't that serve my anger that I didn't get what I wanted from this person, so therefore I'm going to hurt them, even if I have to make things up and tell other people. Now he's going to suffer. He's not going to get to work. People will think he's a bad person, and maybe he can't be a coach, or who knows? Isn't this what Adam Schiff did? Isn't this what the 51 former, uh, what do they call them, uh, uh, intelligence people who signed that letter that says the Hunter Biden laptop was uh, a Russian uh, a ruse. It was Russian spying. It was Russian nonsense to interfere with our election. Didn't 51 former intelligence experts all sign that letter knowing that was a lie? You know, how do they not know? It's, now, now, James Clapper, this guy got caught in 52 different kinds of lies. And, and he comes out now, he says, I, I never said uh, that the laptop was Russian uh, misinformation. I never, I said it could have been. Not when you read the letter. You sign that letter. You read the letter. You're a grown man. You're an intelligence expert. You sign that letter that says, this is Russian disinformation. He said it on TV shows all over the place. But now he has a negative consequence, so he's going to lie about it. Is that the decent thing to do? Is my point. Does decency have a place? So where else do we see this, this decency difficulty? Uh, and I think that's a good place to start the conversation. Is it, is it about decency? Is it out of date? Will it come back? I mean, these are, these are the conversations we're having over and over again, aren't we? Traditional America. Will it ever come back? Will, we ever, will the pendulum ever swing back in such a direction that pride in country and love of country and dedication to our country for all of us, for all of us as Americans. Will that ever come back? Or are we so far split that the natural course of events is going to take place, uh, whether it's over the next five, 10, or 100 years, that there'll be a schism in the country? And maybe the country does split into two. Uh, the Civil War led us to that, where two completely different ways of seeing things led to a, a schism in the country. Don't we see... Uh, in some of our states, uh, they decide we, we, not, we need to split into two states because we're so different from the north to the south or the east to the west. I know here in New Jersey, you got North Jersey and South Jersey. And they're two completely different kinds of areas. And people, people want to maybe make North Jersey and South Jersey as two states, right? Because the, the southern part of the state is so different than the north in, in politics and, and thought processes and everything else. Maybe that's the idea. So can our country avoid a schism uh, because we, we, are, we see decency and we see uh, the right thing to do. We see lying. We see hypocrisy. Totally different. Do we split into two countries? So if you go back on the America Out Loud uh, website and you go look at some of the articles I wrote, I wrote a while ago, a couple years ago, I wrote an article exactly about that. 
about the schism of America splitting into two separate countries. Uh, and, and how would we do that? You know, we, we, would we split it where? Uh, north and south, all the way across, up and down, whatever. The idea is that when we have different ideas and different thoughts and different beliefs, it's okay to discuss them. But if they lead us to this anger where we destroy each other, which is the country we have now, that's what, that's what cancel culture is about, um, destroying people, not just saying, hey, we disagree with this person, but we disagree with them so much we want to destroy them so they can't, be, uh, they can't take care of them, so they can't function, they can't have a career. Is that the right thing? To, is that the kind of anger that I think this pastor was talking about? Because you disagree so much that you want to destroy and is that a decent thing to do? So this is, this is some of my thoughts on this. So where else do we see this? We started out on the, on the, on the first part of our, our episode today, Get Together, talking about a reporter uh, discussing with another reporter on a hot mic that her job, she felt, was to ask hard questions of Governor DeSantis and make him uncomfortable. Now, is that her job? Right? Is that her job to make him uncomfortable? It's her job to ask hard questions. Absolutely. That is her job, to ask hard questions. But if the purpose of those hard questions is not to get information or an understanding or a clarity on, on his belief, thought, policy, whatever, then if it's just to get him, uh, make him uncomfortable so that he doesn't answer correctly, so he looks bad, so he doesn't, you know, what that's, is that your purpose? Is that decent thing to do? Or should you just ask the questions so that you understand his point of view, his policy, his, his, his thought pattern, whatever. How about when it comes, what they were talking about. The reason they were there was for a press conference. Because there's this whole big uh, push that in Florida they want to ban all kinds of books. They're going to ban books. And therefore, uh, you know, he, he, he wants to um, ban things that people need to know. And, and what in the woke, woke culture people now believe they need to have. Like, we need to have this 1619 curriculum, which is not historically correct. Uh, it's what people want everyone to believe, and therefore it's been pushed into the schools. And there are a lot of parents who don't want that taught, who don't believe it is correct. And this is all different kinds of people, right? This is not a, a black-white thing, a Hispanic-white thing. This is, there are historians who looked at this and said, yeah, there's some truth in there, but it is certainly not accurate truth. It's what people want to believe and they want to change the narrative. So it's in the schools. And some of these books that are in there, also in these schools, have inappropriate topics, right? There's a time and place for many things in someone's life of learning. And I'm about learning and, and education. And I think we need to expand uh, opportunity for education for all of our children and, and have them learn things that maybe I'm not good at, I don't know about, but they should know about. They should know about their history, all of it, the good and the bad. They should know about that, but how do you teach that and when in someone's life? This is this is the, the argument that's going on now because the way I see many things is that if you think of an onion, at the center of the onion is where someone's real point of view is, what their, their real goal is the center of that onion. There's all kinds of layers on top of it to get to move things to the center of that onion. So we might want to say, um, we want the country to be socialist, right? And I believe a lot of these groups do. Their goal is socialism. We see that on the rise. We see it all over the place. Their goal is socialism. 
And if they just came out and said, I want to be socialist, you, you, well, today you'll get a lot more people than you would have gotten, you know, 10 years ago. But the idea is that they know their message would not be very warmly received by the majority. So therefore, how do we get our message better? Well, let's come up with things to say to add layers to that onion so that people don't see the actual goal, they see the things. So I've often said uh, and written about is that the reality is there are many things we need to change in our country for the better. There absolutely are. There always are. You know, nobody is perfect. Uh, if we look where we started, yes, there were some sins of the past. There were. Of course there were. So it's okay to teach about that. But then we need to teach about how did it change? Where are we today? Right? It's not 1776 today. The world is a different place. Many groups that were victimized are not victimized anymore. Many people that were uh, hidden in the shadows are no longer hidden in the shadows. We've become enlightened on many different things. Does that mean it's perfect? No, of course it doesn't mean it's perfect. But it means we're, we're going in that direction. We're trying to get better. And that is the goal of anything. How about you personally? Did anybody come up with any resolutions at the beginning of the year? I want to lose 40 pounds. I'm going to get work out more. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to do all these good things we said we're going to do. And then we set out on them. Does that mean you were perfect because you said it? No, it's because you had to go follow through with it. It was a good idea. So I don't want to get lost in the weeds here. But my, my point being is that there are many, many different messages out there. And books are a good way to transfer information. They're very good. But when we have to look at it, we got to say, what is the appropriate age that children learn about certain things, like sexuality? I'm not opposed to people learning about the panoplia of human sexuality, of things that they may feel in their heart, of how they may identify. I'm not against people understanding who they are. They should understand who they are. We should be accepting of everyone, right? It's, it's not for anybody else to say who somebody loves or what they want to do or who they are or whatever. But the reality is there's a time and place to teach those things to children. Is kindergarten the time to teach children things that they, they don't understand? I don't think it is. I think you teach children basics, kindness, decency uh, in general. Not be decent to Billy because uh, everybody hates Billy because uh, whatever. And therefore, and you're a hater of Billy. You don't even know it yet. And therefore, that's not the way to teach a child about kindness. You teach ch child about kindness, that kindness is what you do for everyone. You treat everyone decently, right? And if that message is, is put on as a small child, they'll start to develop it because children learn what they hear every day. So I think in that onion of that information, um, what is it that people, people's ultimate goal is, is that they want children to be accepting of different lifestyles. And how do we do that? Well, we do that by uh, wrapping that idea in an onion of different, all kinds of different things. And if anybody disagrees, they're a hater. And that'll back everyone off. As opposed to age appropriate. Age appropriate. Little children don't understand sexuality. They do not. They're little kids. And I know you can, people can come up and say, oh, well, I knew when I was four years old I was this, that, or the other thing. Okay, that, that, you, that's, that's a very small group of people that knew that at four years. I didn't know that about myself at four years old, who I was, who I was going to love, what I was going to be into. It wasn't until I got older, I started to understand the world. And I started to look around and see things different. And I think children are like that. And that is what, that is what the, the parents who are upset that these schools and these different people who have these ideas that, hey, 
the parents should have nothing to say about this. This is totally up to um, to the, to the school to decide what's right and what's wrong, and the parents have no right to know. Now, we will not let a child have surgery for a gallbladder without a parent knowing, but they'll let children do all kinds of other things that match. Um, that they're not mentally or physically prepared for at certain ages. When it gets to high school, can you bring in all these different kind of books and reading? Yeah, probably you can. That's a community standard, though. If the community doesn't want it, just like one community wants Adam Schiff and nobody else wants him anywhere else, that's okay. If your community wants to have all of these books in your high school that reveal all kinds of different ideas and things, I think that's fine. That's your community. But you can't demand it of everyone. If another community doesn't want it, they don't have to have it. That's that's the community standard. That's why we have states, right? In each state, each state has its own power to do what the people of the state want. So I guess my point here is, and wrap up this whole idea of decency. Are we in a decent place? It's decent to be kind to people. It's decent to understand people are different than you. It's decent to understand not everyone has to believe what you believe, and we should treat each other appropriately. Uh, the, the pastor saying that anger to destroy someone is not good. Um, it, it's not a good thing. It's okay to tell people about dangerous people or something that uh, could be a problem, but not to destroy them using um, innuendo or lies, as people do. And our, our society is rife with this stuff now. And that's why I asked the question, are we a decent people anymore? Are we, are we better than we were? Are we going to be better tomorrow? than we were. So that's a lot to think about here on Chasing Justice, because isn't that really justice to, to do what's right, to understand and treat people properly and make sure we all find a way to get along and communicate? I think it is. So I'm going to say this is Lieutenant Joe, and I'll see you down the road. And remember what we always talk about here, please. Be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. This is Chasing Justice here on the America Out Loud Radio Network.